Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Post 20 Podcast. You're now listening to a special episode of the show. This is the uh, Tottenham Pod special where we've been joined uh, graciously by one of the only Tottenham fans I know, one of, I think, two. Uh, Mr. Kyle, thank you for joining us this evening. Absolutely, Evan. Thank you for having me. It's uh, it's funny. I feel like we've talked about and flirted with the idea of me coming on to talk uh, to talk Spurs for a while now, and uh, it's just all that more timely with uh, with the debacle that is going on <laughs> on our side of North London. It's just uh, it seems endless, and uh, it, it really just is. I think it's just the beginning right now. So maybe yeah, we can jump into some things. Yeah, go ahead. Uh, so, guys, I'm just going to pretty much hand it over uh, to Kyle. He's kind of uh, outlined some of the things he wants to talk about. Um, and he, he's going to kind of give you a rundown of, I guess, the past, what? It's been two year, almost two years right now at this point? Yeah, yeah. So we're, we're going to go through Conte and, and uh, Levy and Enoch and kind of what people can expect next from Tottenham and, and kind of just the, uh, the origin of, of a lot of this stuff and why it's always Spurs, you know, it's Spursy. Yep. Um, so, you know, uh, a lot of my friends who are fans of other big six, uh, big six clubs, they, they kind of just don't get it. Like they're just talking, Oh, trophy list, trophy list. And uh, yeah, we know, like yeah. <laughs> there's not really much context given. So I think I'll start with the good of Antonio Conte and um, what Tottenham fans loved about him. Uh, it was up until recently that there were Antonio chants. Spurs social media would always post the Conte cam of him going crazy on the, on the, uh, the touchline. So um, when Conte came in, it was early November of 2021. We uh, had a few months of Nuno with abysmal football. Uh, we lost, I think, 3-1 in the North London Derby. We lost 3-0 to Palace. 3-0 to United in the El Sacico with Ole yeah. on the other touch line. <laughs> yeah. And um, so Conte comes in. He's a, obviously a proven guy in England and elsewhere. And he's won everywhere. That's what we've heard, kind of like Mourinho. Um, and he really resuscitated Spurs. He, he got us up to top four. Um, we ended up finishing fourth. We had a huge win in the North London Derby over Arsenal at home at, at White Hart Lane, 3-0. Uh, we're flying late in the season, scoring like four to five goals against Newcastle, Everton, Leeds, um, some teams that were battling hard uh, last year at that point. And going into the uh, the summer, I think Spurs fans were feeling really good. Um, Conte was backed more than any other Spurs manager under Enoch. Um, Dollar-wise, I think even adjusting for inflation and everything. Um, and actually going into the season, Spurs had the third, I guess you'd say lowest odds or the third favorite to win the league behind yep. uh, Liverpool and City. And we were voted to have had the best summer and the transfer window. And then the, the season started, which is how, how, how it always goes. So, um, And just Conte in general with Spurs, but especially this season, the football is horrific. Yeah. It's it's a low block counter attack style, all simulation, really zero room for creativity. So if you're not winning games in and out every week, people are going to get upset. This isn't, you know, oh well, we lost four three, but uh, man, did we look good in attack, or or we we blew a lead, but um, we had some great performances out there. It's just going to be brutal to watch. Um, it's brutal for Spurs fans. I can't imagine watching us as a neutral as you do it's, pretty it's often tough. for this show. It's tough, but we like we've come to expect it. I don't, and I, I say this to Matt all the time. Like, it's not like I don't root against them right now because it's so. Mm -hmm. It's just you. We don't get anything out of it as Arsenal fans or even Matt as a Chelsea fan. I mean, the, the rivalry is not quite there, but you don't really get as much out of it. You don't feel as much joy because. It's a total floundering. Like it, it's not even like it's a competition when you know, you know, there there have been Tottenham teams that uh, we've gone up against in, in the North London Derby, even a, up to a couple years ago, and you're fucking scared because they can go out yeah. there and beat you. And right now, it's like we've got another North London Derby coming up, but it's kind of hard to get up for that. I, I don't, I don't really know what to expect. I don't think it's going to be anything crazy. So yeah, it's it's tough as a neutral to to watch that week in and week out, and to know that there are people out there who are just suffering through it is you know I truly feel for them a little bit. 
Yes, thank you. I mean, if you want to beat Tottenham this year, you just put three in the midfield because right. Conte will only play a three-four-three or really a five-two-three. Yeah, and it's the same lineup just about every game. And this is really, you know, in the beginning of the year, I think we were the last team in the league to lose a game. Uh, that was the first North London Derby at the yep. Emirates. Yep. Um, we had uh, we drew Chelsea, which was like, oh, we never get any points um, over at Stamford Bridge. Like that was nice. Then we had a couple of shaky performances. At one point, we were always we were the second half team. We were just coming back in the second half. Um, some people thought it was on purpose to because we were in so many competitions, and you know we didn't really have the the depth up top. Um, and then we realized we were just shit. Yeah. Um, and Conte, no rotation. We have five subs. You can use up to five subs this season. I don't think he used more than two or three unless there was an injury or a red card. Yeah. He was forced into using five. And they would always be so late. Like, he wouldn't bring on or he wouldn't sub off a Kyungman son who's been abysmal or a midfielder until the 80th, 89th minute sometimes when you're down a goal. And that's so frustrating when you've been watching 90 minutes of horrible football with just the same mistakes. And you guys talked about it on the last episode where it's it's just uh, crosses from the wingbacks that are misplaced or the gets up to the midfielders right outside the box and then they're they're back to goal. They lose it, and then they all get back again and just bat over and over until you get a lucky break, a pen, or you can see it and, and things start to open up. Um, another thing with, with Conte this year was, um, you know, we came in, we had the January window last season where we got Kulisevsky and Bentancourt. Um, they came in and, and were great. So we're like, oh, wow, this is uh, Fabio Paradigy and Conte. They really have a pulse on uh, Serie A. Um, can't wait for the summer. And then we get in Jed Spence, who was such a big prospect, and everyone was like really talking a lot about him, especially neutrals. Oh, I'm really excited to see this guy at a big six club. And he played like a few minutes in, I think, the League Cup, and then he was out on loan. Um, so Conte is very stubborn with what he calls club signings. So if it's not a guy that he directly points and says, I want him, and if Spurs bring him in, he just will refuse to play him. And it happened again this. January with uh with Danjuma. Yeah. He played he's not played. He played like he came on I think I forget if he started or he came on as a sub in the League Cup and he's or in the FA Cup and he scored a goal and you don't never see him again. He has yep. not played in the Premier League. Yeah, it's crazy. And, I mean Danjuma is a guy that we talked about too, because he was there was a couple of teams that that were looking at him that he was on their radar. And then Tottenham swooped in, took him and then just let him rot on the bench. Yeah, and then you know, even though it's post Conte right now, I mean, his, his uh, fingerprints are all over the, the team and the way that we play. And Stellini, who's the interim, is one of his guys. Um, it's not good for the, the mentality of the club and these players. Everyone's pretty jaded toward it, especially yeah. for these last nine games. And another thing, you know, as we're playing bad and we're seeing these flaws in the system, watching terrible football, not seeing these players that are new to the club out on the pitch, um, you start to get annoyed with other things like Conte, even in the good days at Tottenham at the end of last season, early in this season, he would not commit to a new contract. He was just very vague, but then he'd say that you have to trust the system, trust the process. Yeah. Um, that this is a project. It's going to take, you know, however, four or six transfer windows. Well, it's like, well, are you going to be here? I mean, obviously a club can always end the contract. We just saw with, with Graham Potter, seven years, seven year contract. <laughs> yeah. So they're kind of, a, a just a, you know, kind of fraudulent but if the manager says yes i want to be here then okay we can talk about your project right right so then we get to the comments that were made that got him sacked after the southampton 3-3 and after this last uh game against everton everyone in the replies on twitter is like oh you know he's telling the truth you know they're posting the video oh everything he said was true and tottenham fans were like yeah we know that yep we know that's true, but it's not your role, Antonio, to say that to the media after you just blew a 3-1 to the bottom team in the league and you're paid $15 million a season to win games. Yeah. And he always talked in, in the, the – I guess the – he wouldn't say we in, in regards to Tottenham. He'd say they, those players, this, that, they, the, they, the club. He wouldn't say we, us, anything like that. Um, as, you know, he came in as – he's above Tottenham. Yeah. Similar to Mourinho, but what Conte said was much more uh, harsh, I think, and much more uh, 
just much more from the from the gut, you know. It seems like he really hated his time here, was just begging to get sacked. Yeah. Um, another thing he said was like, uh, "Oh, these these players are lazy." It's like, well, you brought in a lot of these guys. You just we just overpaid for Pedro Poro to play. You wanted Kulisevsky. Uh, Benson Core was hurt, but you wanted you loved Oliver Skip last year. When uh, Skip got injured last year, you would have thought it was it was prime Ronaldo that went down. Yep. Uh, he, Romero got a new contract under Conte, brought in Perisic. So, and you refused to ever not play Hoyberg and Son, even though there are other options. <laughs> and he said that Eric Dyer at one point, Conte said Eric Dyer can become one of the best center backs in the world. So it's like, who are you talking about that's lazy? Because, and Conte's not a guy to just say that. Obviously, he speaks his mind. So it's like, this is your squad. You're saying they're lazy. That doesn't look good on you. No. Yeah, and then at that point, I think all Spurs fans are like, he's done. It's international break. This is classic Daniel Levy, like, sack time. Yep. Um, he mentioned the owner. He said, you know, the, the owner, 20 years, no trophies. Wonder why. I mean, that, that was just inevitable. So I think now we can transition over to uh, to Levy and Enoch. Um, Conte, another win-now manager, came in, didn't work out. We'll talk about how he was back and, and Enoch and Levy's uh, role in this, obviously. But um, it seemed kind of weird fit from the start. Hoped maybe we could win a trophy. Had a chance to go far in the FA Cup this year. We bottled that against Sheffield. So um, the Conte era, we had some fun moments. North London Derby last year. Yep. Uh, Man City, of course. But uh, that's it's Jover. It is. It's Jover. And I mean, it was it was an experiment. You know, I I don't really think Levy will have learned anything because that's. As we're going to get into, that's just not really the sort of human being or owner that he is. Uh, I think we're probably going to see more things just get thrown at the fucking wall and see what sticks. But um, I'll, I'll sort of let you go into the the history and the, I guess, operating procedures of of the one Daniel Levy. Yeah, yeah. So um, I'll make this the boring stuff pretty quick. So Levy is the um, active chairman of. Tottenham, he has a 30% share in Enoch, which is the ownership group. Um, you've probably heard the name Joe Lewis. He yep. runs uh, Enoch. So Levy's in charge of Tottenham, and he's 30% of Enoch. So it's uh, pretty hard to think of a situation where you get rid of Levy without getting rid of the entire ownership group. Um, they came in in the early and mid-2000s. I'm going to go through the positives of Enoch and Levy as well. So uh, first, because there's the negatives will probably <laughs> take more time to discuss. So they come in in early mid 2000s. Spurs are mid table. They've won FA Cups. Um, I think 99 was the last trophy before they came in. Uh, we'd never been to Champions League. And uh, Daniel Levy and Enoch bring Spurs from mid table to Champions League, kind of perennials. Um, we're always in the mix up there, made top four like six of the last seven years. And um, on the business end, Levy has been probably the best in the premier league where the business is self-sufficient. We built a, the, probably the best stadium in Europe. Yeah. We have a ton of cash on hand through real estate in the Tottenham area, which is bound to be gentrified. We had now the newest thing. We have a race track, a, a goat park track yeah. under the stadium, <laughs> yeah. the tours. It's just endless stuff that makes us a really uh, rich club when it comes to our revenue. I think we're like top 10 in Europe in, in revenue. Mm-hmm. Um, so, Spurs aren't in a situation like Barcelona or any of these, uh, you know, cities where if there's some regulation that we would be completely, you know, cooked. That That's not a situation that Tottenham's in. And a lot of that, you have to thank Daniel Levy for the way that he's run the club. Yep. Um, the positives really end there. So I, th- I think Levy really believes in his heart that Spurs fans should be thankful and like build a statue of him for the business stuff. Like, I built you the stadium. Like, you should love me. Yeah. But to quote Jay from Clerks, what's a good plate with nothing on it? We haven't won shit. We have won one trophy on it in the 08 League Cup. Yeah. So to get into the bad, um, Daniel Levy, notorious for um, being very shrewd in the transfer market, taking, like, months to get deals done that other clubs can get done within a matter of days or weeks. You know, really like nickel and diming other clubs. Um, 
And then finally in 2021, we brought in a football director, Fabio Paradigy, who is going to end up in fucking prison. Yeah, jail. So yeah. it seems that wasn't a good decision. And I'm sure these guys talked and he should have known, hey, there's some uh, reasons why this guy is uh, not getting signed. You might want to be careful. Um, probably ignored those. And in the le- recent years, there's always there's been excuses not to spend. Right. He's got, oh, well, we're building the stadium. So we had Koch has a two transfer window freeze of no incoming players. And then COVID hits. Oh, well, you know, we got this. We spent all this money on the stadium. We can't fill it. Okay. You know, we'll, we'll give them the benefit of the doubt a little bit. I mean, the Levy out movement was kind of just um, in some circles up until very recently. Um, and then in the last few seasons, we finally do spend money. Spurs have been spending money. Um, right up in the in the top five, six in the league. But when they do, it's so bad. Tangay and Dombele, Giovanni Lacelso, Jaffet Tanganga, Joe Roden. Those these guys are they're not even that they didn't work out for us. We can't even sell them. Yep. They're on loan and God knows where in Europe. And they're they're literally like in Dombele and Lacelso, that's eighty five million just down the drain, not getting it back. Yep. So when you're spending money and you and you're not, you know, one of the mega mega clubs, um, like a, a Middle East back, you know, City, Chelsea right now, probably Newcastle soon. We're okay. That's all right. We'll just try again. That's not us. That's not Arsenal. That's not Liverpool. Um, when we can't do that, well, that's a big problem because who's making these decisions that, to bring these guys in um, that you, are just no value um, and. When it comes to the uh, the transfer windows under Conte, spent money on Richarlison, like $60 million. Yeah. Um, we bring in Basuma, who's kind of another holding mid, just similar to Hoiberg, Skip, Saar a bit, um, Bentoncourt. It's like we have five midfielders who are all the same player. We bring in to our putrid center backs, who's the worst in the league, instead of bringing in or being in discussions for Sven Botman, Gavariel, Bastoni, we get Clement Longley from Barcelona. <laughs> they, 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 they were begging us to take that guy. Yeah. It's just another just made guy to put in there. When your club is in the top 10 in, in revenue, that's it's unacceptable for that to be the one move on, on the de- defensive side of the pitch. Um, and that's 60 million on Richarlison. He's played out of position all season and he looks pretty shit. He's been injured. So it seems to be another window of very poor signings. And if you looked at Tottenham summer, I think you'd have to say that Frazier Forrester has been the best signing. Yeah. He, I mean, I, I'd have to agree with you. Um, I've always been a Forrester guy. I've been on, on record on the show with that. He's also put up some stinkers for Tottenham, but I don't really think it's truly all, not really his fault, to be honest. The the back line that he's playing yeah. in front of is is fucking appalling. And I I would agree that he's better than than Loris. And I mean we'll we'll get to that. I'll, yeah. We'll get to your opinions on Loris later. But um yeah, I think I'd have to agree with you that he was probably your best signing. Yeah, and there's been some injuries. I mean Basuma's been out, but when he was in the lineup, he wasn't getting it done. And Conte was saying it would take him some time to understand the system. Perisic has been a sleepy old man. He's got some assists all from corners and just Harry Kane brilliance. Um, Richarlison doesn't have a league goal and he's been injured. So, I mean, it really does. It's the process of elimination that it's Frazier for. So he came in and did well while Larice was injured. Um, that's another thing with Enoch or Daniel Levy. They didn't, they've been kicking this Larice replacement move down the road for years. And I was screaming, and we were talking. I was like, I would love to have Nick Pope. Uh, seems kind of like a no-brainer. Cheaper move. Like, let's just see. Could be good. And he goes to Newcastle, and then Larice goes down, and we have Fraser Forrester. So um, these are just bad, bad moves by the front office. And now with Prodigy and out of football and maybe behind bars, Daniel Levy is the only guy there. There's no manager, and there's no director of football. So, um it's going to come back to where Spurs have been for a few years, which is an identity issue. Yep. So we had Poch, who was a project manager through and through. Take young guys, you know, sneaky transfer moves, make guys better, the academy players, mix up formations, fun, progressive football. You know, it's okay to make some mistakes. Um, and that's kind of where Spurs were in the league, you know, as a club, kind of like a Brighton now. Um, where you're not expecting them to just pay all the money for a win now manager. 
yeah. uh, to get the team he wants and win the league. And then Poch is sacked and they bring in Mourinho, which is the total opposite, but they're not backing him like, you know, a Chelsea can, a Man United can. And that goes bad. And then they go to Nuno, which Spurs fans just kind of forget about. Like, yeah. I... Whatever that was, you know, it was a f- couple months of, of disgraceful football. Um, you can consider it a project. And then he gets sacked and they go right back to Conte, which is the win now. Yep. So there's a major identity issue. And until Spurs know what they want to be, and there's an actual vision and a plan for the next five years, nothing's going to change. Because what Daniel Levy cares about more than anything when it comes to the on on the pitch product is to get top four. Yeah. Because that Champions League money compared to that Europa League money, it's incomparable. Yep. And it seems that all he cares about, he doesn't care about winning an FA Cup or a League Cup. It's just finish top four. That's that's your goal as a manager. You get this Champions League money. And then especially I feel like making that Champions League final in 2019 is almost the worst thing because he feels that oh well Eric Dyer and, you know, Ben Davies, these guys can be good enough to potentially win a trophy. And if your vision is just on a one year at a time, finish top four, you should not be at a club the size of Tottenham. Yeah. I mean, I think that's very well said. And I, I would absolutely agree that that year that they made the Champions League final against Liverpool, like it kind of put them behind the eight ball because that, that just became the expectation. And it is nuts to look at Tottenham right now. And it is it was four years ago, which is kind of crazy to think because it just feels like it was last year uh, that they were, you know, they beat Ajax and then they, they got through and, and went to the final. But um, I don't think that's a, a realistic expectation for, for hardly any clubs. I mean, we see we see City, they struggle. They haven't won a Champions League. Like, it, it just, it's really, really hard to do. And I know going deep in the tournament and, and getting uh, the money just from really qualifying for it is obviously huge. Like it is important um, to qualify for the Champions League, but to to just see how far Tottenham have sort of uh, you know come down the pike since then is just like fucking crazy because they were so yeah. so so good uh, that year. I don't rem- quite remember where they placed in the league um, the the year they made the final. But they were surely top four. Yeah, I think they finished fourth. Yeah, and I mean, what what Spurs did, and this is another thing on Daniel Levy, is they had Toby and Yen at the back, yeah, the back four. They had you know uh, uh, Rose back there, Trippier, and and they don't replace them. Eric Dyer and Ben Davies just come up, and you just replace them with backups. Which a big club, a top six, big six club that you you know the the masses think should be winning trophies they would never do that. So when you look at it like that, it's like, of course they haven't won anything. Sure. There's yep. Spursy moments. There's bottles. Every club has them. Yeah. You know, I mean, look at city in, in champions league last year. They're not a bottle club, um, yeah. but it, it happens. And of course, you know, there's people who Spurs fans who think we're cursed. No, it's just poor management. Even again, with the midfielders, Christian Erickson was there for the signing. Yep. United had to pay him a jillion dollars for him to go there over fucking Brentford. And we yeah. don't even, not even in the conversation. And now our midfield is the most boring, just no creativity, no movement, just Hoiberg and Skip or, you know, Benton Core was great and now he's injured. That's unfortunate, but injuries happen in every team. Every team can say, oh, we had this guy. Yeah. You guys are top of the league. You lost your striker for most of the season. Yeah, it is crazy that the lack of creativity, I think, in the midfield is, is so fucking important um, because there's just... There were players that were out there and available, right? Like I'm thinking back when Tottenham were fun to watch, it was Deli Alley and it was Ericsson. And before that, it was Modric. Like they have had unbelievable creative attacking midfielders. And now you know, they were they were relatively successful when they had that. And they were at least fun to watch. Now they have one of, if not the best, pure number nine in the world. And there's nobody providing service besides the wingbacks who are, you know, maybe their cross success rate is 30%. Like, it's very low. Um, it's tough. Tottenham could absolutely benefit from from one of those players. I, Deli Ali's, like, rotting on a bench somewhere in Turkey. Like, give the guy a fucking phone call. I'm, I'm sure he could he could fit in at this point. And change the formation as well. Like, the, the yeah. 3-5-2 is fucking disgusting. 
five five two three five two three really yeah <laughs> yeah three four three i guess is what what they post on the tv but when you watch it it's a it's a five two three and uh um, yep. another thing this season that happened that you know i think a lot of it comes down to the systems and just the constant drilling of the same formation same simulations is the fall off of sonny it's it's appalling to see a guy go from golden boot to just absolute shell of himself can't do anything but a lot of times he's receiving the ball with his back to goal which is not that's like the opposite of what the kind of player he is and how he's always succeeded i don't think him and parasic has worked out um it's just been really sloppy all season long with with the players linking up and, and if we didn't have hurricane i mean i think we'd be down in that relegation three-point relegation battle it's been that bad yeah um did you feel, I mean, you probably have more to add, but do you feel that maybe this season and, and all that's gone on uh, and all of this drama, because really it has been a season filled with drama, do you think this, this turns Kane away or do you think he sticks around? Oh, I mean, I think it's likely, I, I would say it's more likely that, that he leaves. I mean, it seems that that, that dressing room is really toxic right now and yeah. with Stellini still there playing the same formation it's not like you know they fire Conte and immediately hire somebody it doesn't have to be Posh Deserby Potter um, Nagelsmann you name who just someone new some a new formation like to let these guys play creatively let Sonny run like a madman yep. give Rosaris and some games at striker um, give Saar a chance give some of these other young kids who've never even seen the pitch whose names you would never know Yep. Give them a chance as a sub in the 70th minute. It's that it's the same regimented thing. It's like, it's very uh, Eastern Bloc, it seems. Very <laughs> yeah. Soviet, just like, you know, it, it's... Uh, Cruel. It, it's, it's yeah, it, it literally reminds me of like the um, the classic, uh, like the apartment houses in yep. Soviet Russia. Like, that's how we play. And then you guys have like a beautifully painted house with like Art Deco style stuff. <laughs> you know, it's... Uh, you guys and, and even Brighton and city. And then we're yeah. just over here. Like, no, just wing back up, in, yeah. wing back up. in. And uh, I think Kane's likely gone, but he, I mean, he's such a Tottenham guy. And I think it would be cool for him to break the uh, all time premier league scoring record all with one club. Um, it seems that he's a, you know, a big family guy and they're probably so comfortable with family and friends in London. And um, it seems that it would either be a move to United or, Bayern Munich, but I doubt that he'd leave England. It would it would really just come down to to Kane's um his desires, right? I yeah. mean, I feel like at this point he he can't take Daniel Levy's word anymore uh-uh. or the new manager's word of of things changing because he's been here for years, like eight years, and it's been the same thing every time. Every manager, you know, the the lack of backing, the poor decisions, not getting any service since the I don't know twenty sixteen really, yeah, twenty seventeen, like solid service. He's doing it all himself, and um, I wouldn't blame him if he went. I mean, if he goes to United, like, all right, I don't really like – yeah, I hope you break the record, but I'm not going to, like, cheer for you to win trophies there. I'm a Spurs guy. But yeah. um, I'd probably put the odds at, like, minus 250 of him of him uh, splitting this summer. Yeah, I mean, I think that would be – truly, like – and this is kind of weird, I guess, probably from an Arsenal fan, but I, I think it would be just – not disrespectful because like the club has not treated Kane uh in a, from a board perspective probably as well as they should have but um that would suck man I don't I don't want to see Tottenham lose Kane I really don't want to see him in a United shirt I mean that that would make me sick to my stomach if he breaks the, the all-time prem goal scoring record in a fucking United shirt that that would truly make me physically ill uh and I I don't want to see that like definitely not so I I struggle to to say where I stand on on that whole thing. Like I, I'm not sure that he would leave. Honestly, um, sure he's probably fed up with it, but I think he is like he is North London like through and through. He's uh, obviously nobody else really is going to be able to afford him besides a, a gigantic club. Um, but I think as long as they get somebody in that he somewhat approves of, like if you guys bring Poch in he'll stay for sure I'm I'm almost certain of it so I'm hoping mm-hmm. that that he does stay and that um they get Pochettino back because 
it uh it could be extremely ugly again if you guys opt to go with like um Potter. maybe somebody less yeah potter potter is actually like nightmare fuel for sure because yep. he's directionless too and kind of aimless um nagelsman i feel the same way but the thing about nagelsman is is he is young and the the issue with why he was fired from Bayern is because he's kind of like a laissez-faire, you know, like kind of just yeah. come and go, joyful, that kind of guy. Uh, I think Tottenham, like, they might benefit from that right now. They might benefit from a, a liberal view on football instead of uh, fucking Mussolini, who you guys just had to deal with <laughs> for a year and a half. That's tough. Uh, I, I think... When you take the joy out of football and the creativity and the passion, it's an extremely ugly product. And I can say when when Arsenal brought Arteta in, I was not I really wasn't sold. I mean, it's yeah. I've I'm on record. It was it was clearly a bad take because now I run through a brick wall for the guy, but um I thought he was directionless, but I think really he spent that first however many months trying to instill his sense of passion and the Spanish guys are always, that's what they always say it. Um, and then he worked on the tactics and then he, he worked on playing the football that he wanted to play. And if you guys can get somebody in like that, I think, you know, they're Tottenham are going to be much better off than the iron fist. I don't think the iron fist works for them. Yeah. And I think above Kane or, you know, keeping Kane, losing Kane, same with Son and, and, you know, some of the other guys that are, uh, you know, been at the club for a while. Yeah. Above all that, for Spurs to be successful, it needs that vision. Like, you guys brought in Arteta. You guys were calling for his head at the beginning of last season and other times before then. And yep. you stuck with it, and now you're in pole position to win the league. Spurs need that above everything. And if that includes letting Kane go on a free at the end of next season or selling him for, you know, kind of a discounted rate in this summer. If it's having a, a top three next year of Danjuma, Richarlison, and Kulisevsky and getting a, a project manager in and giving some young guys some playing time and kind of going back to those early Poch days, but actually, you know, backing a bit more, like the way Conte was back money-wise, um, that I think would be the best way forward. Um, I, I'm not going to sit here and say I've watched every manager and know how everybody plays that, is on their list. Supposedly the rumors right now are that there's reservations for both Poch and Tottenham on, a, yeah. on reuniting, which makes sense. I mean, getting back with your girlfriend, usually, you know, you got to like, are we going to do this? We got to set some ground rules. Um, I'd say it does end up being Poch, which short term I'm happy with, you know, the songs will be being uh, sung on the pitch and it'll be fun. And we'll probably start next season with some more exciting players and, and uh, win some games, but in the long run, it's going to falter because there's a lack of vision. There's this kind of half measures all the time when it comes to transfers. Yeah. If we're not in Champions League, which I fourth <laughs> playoffs fourth, I don't think we're going to get fifth or maybe sixth. I mean, the way that we're playing with Brighton this yeah. next on Saturday, which could be an absolute debacle. Um, I'll just pull these up. We have Brighton then Bournemouth, then we go to St. James, then we host United, then we go to Anfield, then we host Palace, we go to Villa, host Brentford, go to Leeds. These are this isn't easy. No. Even these Leeds, Bournemouth, these aren't these guys aren't gonna roll over for us and it's Tottenham and they're looking horrible. I mean, I don't think we're gonna get top four. So if you bring in Poch without the Champions League money, that's all that Levy cares about. I think it's gonna be a stringent window. Even if you do sell Kane and, and potentially Sonny, um, they're going to have to make Kulisevsky and Bentoncourt permanent, I believe, which could add up to about $40 million. Yeah. Um, and Levy loves to just use that as an excuse, like bring a guy in in one window where everyone's like, yeah, he brought a guy in. And then that he doesn't count. He also counts for the next window when they make the loan permanent. So you, you can't get too excited because that's just coming out of your summer budget. Right. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I would probably prefer Pochettino at this point. I want to stay away from Potter. Nagelsmann, I think, is completely 
zero percent chance he goes to the Spurs now that the Chelsea job's available. Because why yeah. would you want to come to here at this debacle when you can just go there and get all the money and all the players? Um, well, I'd say it's pretty, uh, pretty. I'm have a pretty negative outlook on this right now. You know, and I think the real solution would be for Daniel Levy to, at bare minimum, completely step aside from all football operations. He doesn't have anything to say on um, any managers, any transfers, nothing. And just worry about the business stuff. Build your go-kart track. Buy up your your row houses in, in Tottenham. Um, you know, do those deals. Have fun. And then keep us sustained like that. And then let us, let Tottenham on the football side do what they have to do. Because you, you don't know what you're doing anymore. You never did, really, but um, the fact that right now he's the only guy at the club with any decision making, no manager, no director of football is really concerning. Yeah, that is that's a that's an interesting thing. You know, clubs I think succeed more often when it's not just one guy making all of the decisions at the top. Um, Levy is a great example, but I think about um, fuck. I just lost it. Jerry Jesus Jones. Christ. Yeah, I mean that's another that's another that's a good point. I it was in foot in in football that I was going to talk about it, but that's another that's mm-hmm. another really good excuse or not excuse, but parallel. When older um super business minded, oh, I was going to talk about Bowley. Uh super business minded yeah. people, you know, try to run the sports division of, you know, cuz a franchise is not just the team it's it's all encompassing it's the land it's the stadium it's all of it they they don't always have a knack for all of that and football there are intangibles and levy i don't know if he's a guy that that can locate those intangibles you need an ex footballer guys like unfortunately paratici who is now going to jail um, to to seek that out and tell you what you need to do, and then if you don't, if you really don't like it, if your business gut is telling you not to do it, okay, it's a different story. But you're right; there's no reason for Daniel Levy to be making all of the football and personal decisions. It's just, it's not right, and we're seeing it with Bully right now. He's the one; he's the director of football and the owner of the club. That's fucking crazy. And since he's been, you know, essentially, uh, in not instated, but since he's bought the club, they've made misstep after misstep after misstep, and the manager has no say at Chelsea, and that's the guy that probably knows football a little bit better than the American who owns the Dodgers. I don't know. Maybe not. Um, and it's been a fucking nightmare. They're just spending boatloads of money. They're paying $120 million triggering release clauses for guys that look good for three weeks of the World Cup. They're buying a, a kid from fucking Chernobyl for £80 million. Pounds. Like, I don't know, man. There's something to be said for, for having a smart football mind uh, advising you. And I, I think, you know, Levy and Bully, although they're in separate, you know, spots, like, it doesn't always work out. Yeah, exactly. And um, I think it was Mourinho was out, had a quote in something recently where there was a player that he wanted to buy at Tottenham that was, it was like going to be 10 million. Yeah. And Levy would say, nope, 5 million, that's it. And <laughs> and then we didn't get him. And I forget who it was. And then he ended up being a very uh, formidable player. I just feel like with a club that that is so well known, the, the idea that people should expect. Uh, trophies and success and for us to win the league or even win a, a top four or an FA Cup or something is just asinine that, that, should, that that's the expectation when that is who is at the helm. Um, I feel like Spurs have been overperforming. I mean, you end up with, you, you get Harry Kane out of kind of sheer luck through your academy. He was on loan at God knows where for how many years and then he just shows up one day and decides to be one of the best strikers in the world. Um, I would really be interested to see where Tottenham would be without him if you could just create an alternate universe. Because um, I don't think that it would be uh, anywhere near the the levels that people talk about Tottenham, you know, with other clubs. And as more clubs get bought by uh, American conglomerates or the Middle Eastern back, you know, nation states, the lower Tottenham is going to fall under Levy and Enoch. I mean, Newcastle just joined those ranks. Yep. Chelsea just moved from 
uh, one to another who seems to he owes even more money. So it's like Tottenham in this big six um, at the nightclub at you know at the tables with with champagne. Tottenham's in the corner sipping on a, a warm Stella. Yeah, they're just like I shouldn't be here. You're the poorest guy at the at the rich people ball. Yep. So um, if I had my way, it would be Enoch completely out of ownership. Get in an American conglomerate. I'd prefer over you know a nation state. But um, <laughs> you'll take what you can get. Can really, at this point. Yeah, yeah, it really is because I don't see an end in sight, which is really depressing. But I mean, you you love the badge for the badge, right? Not That's right for the owners or for the the performances, and you just hope for a miracle. Things change very quickly in in football. I mean, you guys last season, just a few seasons ago, you're finishing eighth. Yeah, we were shit. Season you bottle fourth, and now you're going to win the league most likely. So things can change quickly. You never know what's going to happen. But uh, that's my view, and I hope that uh, it was informative and not just a, a whiny little yid. No, no, very informative. Um, if you want to stick around for another 10, I have a couple of quick questions to kind of. Absolutely. Um, how and when did you start supporting Tottenham? So I, my group of friends have been into Premier League for probably five to 10 years, most of them. And I was always on Twitter and stuff. And I'd see things during like the Poch era. And I remember the uh, the Champions League final and against Liverpool, and then I think it was under Mourinho when things were ugly that I really started watching like every match, and then Nuno, and I was like, oh, this is just like pure like <laughs> pain. One, it's like kind of comedy because I I don't know why I went to Tottenham. I mean, I was always, I'm the pork roll yid on Instagram. Um, name not having to do with Tottenham when I made it. Yeah, like oh, this makes sense, and I just kind of gravitated towards them. I feel like they're always. There's always something. There's never a normal day at Tottenham. I'm nope. already a Mets and a Jets fan. So I was like, oh, this is perfect for me. Let's just stack it on top of the other pain. Yeah. Um, so I feel like really fully watching like everything and becoming obsessed with it was the beginning of last season, which is not long. But um, for any Tottenham fans or people who are trying to get into, um, into Spurs, I don't know why you do it, but I recommend going and listening to the Fighting Cock podcast and mm-hmm. going back. What I did was just look, you know, go back to older results and um, kind of different eras, manager appointments and sackings and big wins and losses and just kind of catch up. Um, it's better than just watching like highlights of matches because you don't have the context. So this is really my second full year of uh, of supporting Spurs. And um, it's certainly been a roller coaster. Yeah. Um, I mean, what we can say is you're extremely well read on the the recent history of your club for sure. So it's you know it's an honor to be able to to stamp you with knowing ball uh i of course knew that already but um yeah it's if if you've seen one tottenham game you've sort of seen them all i think uh that's well that's at least how it feels right now but yeah it's a lot of pain there's a lot of pain in uh in that club there's a lot of they have an extremely rich history by the way um Absolutely. guys that you know if you guys haven't read into the history i mean they were they were the first uh jewish owned premier league club in in the uh in in england uh extremely rich history very cool stuff uh a lot of their fans are jewish uh that seems to be where most uh people in England who have, you know, rich Jewish heritage, that's the the club that they they lean towards. So that that's a really cool thing that like really doesn't get talked about all that much like on uh broadcasting or even like, you know, fringe media stuff, but it's I always found that like pretty cool, you know what I mean? Yeah, it's the definitely I mean the songs the songs of course, right. Gone, and you know and, and you know, um, Tottenham was the, the predominantly Jewish area in London. Yep. And um, that's kind of where it started. And the, the term Yid was thrown at, at um, Tottenham fans in a in a derogatory fashion, mainly from Chelsea supporters. Of and course, of course. Spurs fans. <laughs> I prefer not to speak. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to insult your guest while I can't defend your uh, co-host while I can't defend himself. But, uh, you know, and then Spurs fans kind of reclaimed it. And um, it's a really cool story there. And, yeah, I mean, Tottenham was the first uh, English club to win a European uh, European trophy, the, yep. the famous double in 1961. And I recommend um, the book The Glory Game for anyone, not just a Tottenham fan. It is like, um, if you're watching uh, Ted Lasso, it's like a Trent Krim kind of uh, 
take like fully embedded into the club. Um, I believe it was the 1972 season, uh, the glory game by Hunter Davies yep. is uh, a phenomenal read. If, uh, if anyone has not read that one, um, it was a very historic season for Spurs and just really uh, gives you a different perspective on, uh, on, on the game and, and English uh, football, especially. So. Yeah, that was, um, I actually read that book when I was in college, so it's been quite some time, but um, I think that was the first time, like in Premier League football, that a reporter was given full access to sort yeah. of chronicle the whole thing. Um, I, I, I didn't read it. I should, I should go back and fully read it, um, but I read the first, you know, probably half of the book and then dropped it just because I was busy. Uh, really, really good from what I read, so that's that's for sure something, you know, even if you're not a Tottenham fan, go back and read. It's it's so interesting to just to sort of feel for a minute how far the game has come, um, but yep. also how much it's truly stayed the same. You know, I know that's sort of a, a weird cliche, but it is. It's interesting to read that kind of thing. So, um, yeah, absolutely. You guys should uh, should give that a look. Uh, anybody, we're, I'm gonna get you out of here soon. But, you know, I don't even want to say five players. Who's your, your number one uh, on your short list for players you want in this season? Anybody peaking your fancy that you know is available? Uh, I mean, I, I really think at this point um, we can't look at it as like that one guy is going to really help us. It, yeah. it, it just really That's seems fair. to be a bit bigger than that. But I would say for like I'm thinking of a five-year plan would be a replacement for Hugo Lloris. Yeah. Um, this guy's horrific, man. I mean, you saw in the North. He's a bad, he's a bad guy. Bad guy. (laughs) Yeah. Who that would be. I don't know. Keepers are always weird because you don't know what clubs throughout Europe that are not like, you know, massive, uh, massive clubs that you see in champions, League have a great keeper. Um, and what clubs have a younger guy that can replace a good keeper that might be like, you know, 28, 29. Yeah. Um, so I, I think I'd go position wise. Um, that's a position that I'd want to uh, to address first and foremost, and then an attacking midfielder um, could have last summer didn't. Um, that's going to be huge, especially if we bring in a manager that plays a back four with three in the midfield. Um, and uh, center backs. I mean, we've been we've been stuck with Eric Dyer and Ben Davis for so long now. I mean, if Posh came back, those are guys that he had. <laughs> And yep. a keeper and a striker and his best winger. Yep. Um, you know, it's like so a lot has changed, but a lot's also stayed the same with uh with our lineup. So um replacing those guys, I mean, there's been rumors about Bastoni for I feel like eighteen months now. Yeah. Um Gavardiel's gonna be probably out of our He's gonna be so expensive price range if uh yeah, especially without European football. But I mean look when you look at where we are revenue wise we should be in those conversations and yep. we're just never in them. We're never in any talks for the biggest names that, you know, it's just, Oh, it's between city and Real Madrid or, you know, Chelsea and uh, Liverpool. It, it's never Tottenham's not in there. We get Basuma who was cheaper because he had a potential rape allegation. <laughs> we get Richarlison in an overpay. We meet a crazy 45 million, uh, release clause for Poro because there's nobody else at right wing back. And that's all that Conte wants. And we're just going to sack him a month later. Yep. Like, again, it, it all comes back to the vision. So you can bring in whatever player you want. I mean, are these wing backs we brought in even going to be relevant in the next manager system? Or are we going to just, are we going to just uh, pick our next manager and make sure that he plays a back three? <laughs> yeah. Are we just going to say, Nope, we need a guy who plays a back three. Cause these are the players we got. We need guys who uses wing backs. Um, we're not comfortable with these guys as fullbacks and hopefully they get a stop for them. Do it again. Yeah. Um, so you bring in players. Great. But what can they do? We see it with Chelsea. You need more than just, uh, just shiny players. That's absolutely right. I mean, this wingback shit, um, when you line up, when you line up with the wingbacks out there, up there already, like it just, I get so tired of watching it. Uh, Liverpool, even like they play with wingbacks, obviously they line up as fullbacks, but if your guys don't, if they can't truly do both things well, it doesn't make any fucking sense to play with wingbacks. I get so tired of watching it, like especially with Tottenham, but I used to get this way with Arsenal when they would use, like, they kind of use Bellerin 
and at points it was tyranny and it was just ugly like you have to have guys that are willing that have high work offensive work rates high defensive work rates and that are willing to play all the way up the flank and all the way back to flank and i just don't know like it just it, it's it gets really lazy it's very easy to get lazy and i wish teams would just play a more you know a flatter back line if you think you're going to get exposed defensively then just play the back line and work the ball through the middle because pinging it in from from the wings with your wing backs is just not like what did it work for for Liverpool two a season and a half right yeah it, and it's so easy to figure it out center backs in the world and yeah, right and, and those guys can cover everything all over yeah yep. those guys can cover Tiago could cover uh Fabinho could cover and then now like they're sort of aging out and then you find out that your wing backs can't actually fucking defend and Van Dyke's lost a step because he's injured, and you're getting absolutely smoked by City. So, you know, it's one of those things. Um, I, for one, hope that Tottenham's next manager takes a real look at the personnel he has available, um, takes a look at Eric Dyer. Maybe he shoots him. I don't know. I just, I, I'm tired. I'm tired of watching that shit. So, um, truly, I, I don't know how much worse it can get uh, if they get Potch in. Uh, if they get somebody like Potter in, eh, you know, I, I prefer not to speak, but eh, it's tough. Um, I can really only say thank you for coming on and, and reliving all of your, I guess, really daily pain at this point. Yeah, it's it's not reliving it. I'm actively living right, it. Right, you're actively living vocalizing it. it a bit. It's good to talk about how, how you're feeling. You know, a lot of us men, we, we just bury things down. So it's nice to uh, to talk some shop and invent a little bit to someone who uh understands and isn't yeah. just you know lol tottenham at me so it's yeah. uh it's always a pleasure and i really appreciate the conversation of course thank you so much for coming on uh guys thank you so much for listening uh kyle do you have any plugs before we shut this down i'm uh, sure um a lot of new jersey listeners i'd imagine so yep. uh follow me at the pork roll yid y-i-d on instagram i'm on a mission to review every pork roll egg and cheese in new jersey so follow me there the pork roll yid on instagram other than that uh yeah that's it all right so guys thanks again for listening make sure you check us out on social media at post 20 pod on twitter and instagram uh you can also find all past episodes of the pod on soundcloud spotify and apple podcasts uh keep your eyes peeled uh you know keep Keep looking at the feed. Matt will have a recap of, I guess, all of the games from today uh, and then tomorrow as well. So if you're listening to Tuesday, then by the time you know Wednesday comes around, there'll be another episode out. So again, thank you guys, Kyle. Thank you, and we'll see you soon.